Blog Talk Radio. We declare our right on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rights of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Uh, 
some new shows in the works that we've been watching. Orange is the New Black, uh, Ray Donovan, The Newsroom, and of course the return of Breaking Bad tomorrow, which is the the big time epidemic. And so um, once again, plenty plenty of stuff to get to um, for today's show. We want to start off with the NBA schedule. Um, which was the official NBA schedule for the 2013-2014 season was released this week. Um, people have started to weigh in on, you know, the top games to look forward to. Obviously, you look to opening night on October 29th. Um, right off the bat, you've got Chicago at Miami, and you've got uh, a Lakers-Clippers matchup, a, a doubleheader on that night. Um, of course, the, the Christmas matchups are always big. You've got Heat-Lakers and uh, Brooklyn will play on Christmas. Um, some other some other games to look forward to. It, it's going to be a big season of firsts and comebacks. Um, you've got Kobe coming back from injury. You've got Derrick Rose coming back from injury. Rajon Rondo, Russell Westbrook, um, a lot of high-profile guys that we've talked about that will be back from injury. And then it's a year of firsts. Um, the Brooklyn Nets, probably the biggest story with Paul Pierce and KG down over there in Brooklyn. Um they make their appearance in Brooklyn uniforms on October 30th at the Cleveland Cavaliers, who also have a first. Mr. Andrew Bynum is signed to Cleveland. He will um, assumingly make his debut with the Cleveland Cavaliers on October 30th against the Brooklyn Nets. Miami goes to Brooklyn for the first time on my birthday, November 1st. Um, again, that's my birthday, so anyone listening that feels gracious enough to get me some tickets, feel free. Uh, Miami will be at Brooklyn on November 1st. The Lakers will go to Houston on November 7th and January 8th. Um, no word yet on a Kobe timetable, but you assume he'll be back for at least one of those games. Um, the first Brooklyn-New York matchup, the Nets-Knicks rivalry, January 20th. Our NBA Finals uh, rematch will be January 26th, Miami and San Antonio. And then also... Doc Rivers returns to Brooklyn for the first time on that day, January 26th as well. So um, with the schedule out, um, with the teams that have improved and changed that we've talked about on this show many times, uh, there's a lot of a lot of exciting matchups, a lot of games that I'm sure people want to see um, sooner than later. I know for me, whenever the NBA schedule gets released, I just get I, I get like hyper. I'm just all ready for basketball to happen now, and I find myself just watching old NBA videos just to kind of um, supplement my fix. But, um, again, October 30th, opening night, you know, it's kind of in September and into the fall, and, and, and realistically it's kind of right around the corner at this point. So I'm interested to know what uh, what matchups you guys are most looking forward to, um, whether it's, you know, ones that I've said or, or just in general, any particular matchups. Tommy, I'll start with you. Um, any games you've got on your radar that you think you'll circle on, on your calendar for next year's NBA season? You know, man, you know, all this regular season talk, all these matchups, I really don't give a damn. You know, I, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, it's about it's about what seed you're at when, you, when it comes playoff time and, you know, who's going to get it done. Is Miami going to get another three-peat? So, you know, as as a fan, I I look forward to the to the Brooklyn uh, New York Nets rivalry, but you know, other than that, my Sixers, I'll check in, you know, see how they're doing from time to time because that's going to be that's a disaster waiting to happen right there. But um, other than that, I'm just looking for playoff time, man. I gotta be honest. 
So you're not you're not acknowledging the fact that the regular a, a regular season is completely um, well. Your playoff seed is indicative of how your regular season is. Yeah, but I mean, we, we've seen we've seen one seed not get it done. We've seen Miami win from a from a two seed and and now a one seed last season, but they were two seeds in the year before that. Um, you know, out west, it's. It was uh, OKC. Was were they one seed when they went to the finals? But I mean, you know my point. It's not. It's about it's about matchups when it gets when it comes to playoff time, and it's about you know who gets hot and who has the right team and who's falling at that point in time. But you know, the regular season it's fun. It's it brings a lot of excitement, the matchups. But we all know what it's about. <laughs> No, I mean, I, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I'm just saying, you, you talk about matchups, to your point. The only way we know about matchups come postseason is from what we see in the regular season. So, I mean, I, I do I do see your point, but I, I'll, I'll pull, throw it out there. I'm looking forward to a lot of these games. I mean, Miami at Brooklyn on November 1st. Again, that's my birthday, so that's kind of an added bonus. But I'm look, I've talked about Brooklyn. I've been on record saying they have the best starting five in basketball now. And I've been on record saying that they have the probably the best chance to beat Miami from a personnel standpoint. So I, I personally, I can't wait to see some of these games. So Miami at Brooklyn, November first, and of course, you know my my Laker blood in me and awaiting Kobe's Kobe's return. I am very much looking forward to Los Angeles going to Houston and playing against uh, their former teammate Dwight Howard. I, I for anyone who knows Kobe Bryant or understands the nature of someone like Kobe Bryant, you don't want to be watching anything else than when he goes to play Dwight Howard in Houston. Um, again, just that, just the nature of the beast. Um, um, Kobe Kobe is known to hold grudges. He already said when he got hurt that he's going after, I forget who it was, Deshaun Stevenson or some no-name guy that, that, that was under him when he landed oh, yeah, on him when he, when he had so if you know anything about Kobe, he is driven by vendettas. And right now, Dwight Howard is not.
Tommy. What's up? Hey, I think I think we may have lost Martin here. Is that what happened, or are we blacked out still? I'm not sure, yeah. Oh, so it was him that was cutting out? What's up? It was him that was, cu- that was cutting out? Yeah, I, I guess so. I guess so. So I guess I guess we're still alive here, so we might as well um, keep going. Um, so Martin, we're talking about uh, uh, marquee regular season matchups. We're looking forward to this coming NBA season, and uh, I know for one, I'm I'm really looking forward to that Miami Chicago uh, game on opening night. I think that you know Chicago is a team that going to have a lot of eyes on them, you know, with Derrick Rose coming back and a team that surprisingly made a, a pretty late run in the playoffs last year. So, I mean, I, I'm really interested to see what they look like, you know, with the healthy Luel Dang, Derrick Rose back, you know, they, I still, I still firmly believe that they have one of the, if not the best front courts in basketball. So I, I think that they're a very interesting team to be able to see early in the year, especially against, you know, the defending champion Heat and, and see how, you know, they respond to that type of pressure. There's going to be a lot of eyes on Derrick Rose. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago when he came out and said that he felt like he was the best player in basketball. And, and I mean, we said that he, he's supposed to say that. Like, I mean, if you're Derrick Rose or if, if you're someone, a part of the Bulls administration, you want Derrick Rose to say that. You know, this is the guy that – you're paying the big bucks to be your superstar. So you want him to still be confident in that. And and, uh, I know him, at least for me, him saying that meant that he has a great deal of confidence, you know, coming into the year saying, you know, I know I missed an entire season. My my knee is healthy. I'm I'm back to where I was. I'm going to be better than where I was. So I I really look forward to seeing the Bulls play and seeing, you know, what, what they look like and how they start to mesh. I feel like, you know, after missing a guy for an entire year is not going to be easy to just come back, you know, and, and have the chemistry that they once had. But I, I think once they begin to mesh, they're, they're going to be a team to mess with. I mean, this is the same team. They'll be essentially playing the same exact guys on the floor that they had the year they finished. What was it? Uh, they finished with the best record in the NBA the year Derrick Rose won MVP. So I, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to them. I know it's early, but you think they've done enough? Uh, so far to even compete with Miami? I mean, I, I think they have. We, I, we've seen them compete with Miami in the past with, with the Bulls teams that they had. I mean, even last year's playoffs with missing Derrick Rose. I mean, it, it's not. I, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, they could have won that series, but at the same time, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't as much of a blowout as I guess I, I at least thought it would be. I mean, I think that, you know, uh, Chicago certainly ran out of gas, and, and, and it took a lot out of them, you know, winning that first-round series against the Nets to, to have to, you know, bounce back and play against the Heat. But at the same time, I mean, I think they did a well enough job in having – it's not like you're ju- they're just getting a role player back, Tommy. Uh, they're, they're, yeah. getting back, they're getting back that guy, man. <laughs> like we – I forget. I even forget. I, I find myself kind of not – yeah, dude. I, I find myself kind of not like – like underestimating Derrick Rose a little bit, saying like, yeah, you know, like they get Derrick Rose back, which would be cool, but not nah, this guy is, this guy is good, man. You want to talk about that? Hey, man, he got all of that, <laughs> all of that, that yo, man. I didn't, I didn't like the fact that they lost Nate Robinson though. I felt like that was somebody that brought a lot of firepower to that offense. 
and that's something that definitely grows. Yeah, def- yeah, I mean, definitely that the, the spark that Nate Robinson offered, you know, over the over the especially in the playoffs last year. I mean, that scoring effort that he put forth. I, I mean, Nate Robinson was huge for them. Obviously, we know that. You know, he and I mean, the the one game where it went, in, or I think it went to overtime, two different games with uh, Brooklyn. But one of the games, oh yeah, he yeah, had like, he had like thirty two between the fourth quarter and in yeah. overtime. I mean. I, it's obvious that Nate Robinson, you know, won that game for them, and, and it was his offensive effort. But I think, I mean, when you when you throw a guy like Derrick Rose back in there, the amount of production you get from him, because it's not just scoring. You know, he's going to get other guys involved. He's going to be all over the floor. He's a very good defender. I think he's an underrated defender, but in terms of on-ball pressure, Derrick Rose is one of the guys you don't necessarily want to see guard. And so I think I think the little things he offers, and plus, I mean, we we know that Nate Robinson is a very good basketball player, but his number one downfall is a big one, and is that he's just way too small. To, he's way too small to guard these other ones and twos. Really, I'm not trying to hear that, Especially man. In, well, no, in today's game, Tommy. I mean, you look at nah, I'm, just, point I'm guards, just talking about it coming from a from a small man myself, so. Oh, yeah, no, I feel you, I feel you. I mean, they're fighters. They're certainly fighters, but at the same time, I mean, the first, it's just it's, it's science that, you know, Nate Robinson yeah. is going to have issues when he's matched up against these bigger, stronger point guards, these, these the Russell Westbrooks of the NBA, right, the guys that are like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, that are really going to create issues for a guy that's realistically 5'8". You got these horses out here nowadays, man. Yeah, man, these guys uh, are huge. Jay, Jay, what what matchups are you looking forward to seeing, big homie? Um, I'm I'm obviously very very excited about the return of the Mamba. Um, you know when we talked about people that we were looking forward to coming back, that was the person that I brought up. Didn't even have to say his name because yeah, I knew who I was talking about when I said the one, the Mamba. So um, I'm looking forward to that, but probably. Uh, uh, the early matchups, I'm, I'm really excited for that Cleveland-Brooklyn game. And surprisingly, I'm more excited about seeing Cleveland than I am seeing Brooklyn. Um, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Kyrie Irving and Anthony Bennett in pick and roll situations, which I think they're going to be they're going to be tremendous in the pick and roll with those two. Um, Anthony Bennett, um, I've, I've, I've raved about him, and I hope. And I and I not necessarily predicted, but I said, but in my and when I was doing my pre-draft stuff, I said, you know, in my opinion, I think mm-hmm. he's my most upside. I think he's the most talented player in the draft, and I think he's going to show the world what type of skill set he has. And and I'm hoping that it's that it starts that night. I hope I hope he comes out and has a very very solid first game. Um, so um, um, that Cleveland Brooklyn matchup to me is, is is huge, man. We have other than that, we have two of the best point guards in the East with Kyrie Irving and Deron Williams going at it. Um, we have Bynum shifting over to the East Coast um, for real this time, not like the Fugazi joint that he did. Um, but we have him finally matched up against Brook. Um, who has been the, the dominant center more or less in the East. So to see that matchup is going to be awesome. A young Anthony Bennett, Kevin Garnett. Um, it, it's 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 going to be a very, very, very entertaining game. 
with some with some marquee marquee matchups in the East. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game, um, probably the most out of the early games. Um, Christmas Day, Miami, LA. We got the we got the the franchises. We got the two franchises in basketball that have really come up in their marquee cities and their marquee uh, venues and and are really you know the cream of the crop as far as NBA franchises right now. To me, LA is still the because they they're they're just LA. They are the franchise. So Wait, they really um, doing that. I'm sorry. They're really doing that. Miami with LA Christmas Day. Yeah, I don't really look forward to that. Come on, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to that, Molly. You want to know why, yo? Because Kobe, we all know Kobe. He knows. He knows when everybody's watching. He knows when everyone's watching, and he's gonna have a Laker team that's gonna be for what from what it looks like now, probably so so around that time, and he's gonna have LeBron and the champs coming to town, and that's gonna be Kobe's game seven especially if he comes back as strong as I know he will, that's going to be yeah. Kobe's game seven for, for yeah. the NBA. On Christmas right. Day, everyone watching, probably the primetime, well, the primetime marquee matchup of the day. Um, I think Kobe's going to show his ass. I, I really do. I think he's going to I think he's gonna go for 40 or 50 that game. That's <laughs> going to be the game. And, and I'm not saying L.A.'s still going to win because Kobe could go for 40 or 50 and they could very well still lose. But for me, I think that's one of the games that Kobe has circled on his calendar. He's heard all the LeBron stuff about LeBron's the best player in the world, LeBron's this, LeBron that, Miami Heat, Miami Heat, Miami Heat. And for a guy like that, you know Kobe doesn't want to hear any of that. You know he doesn't like that. You know he does not. He he takes offense to somebody, to anyone saying that LeBron James is the best player in the league and, and and not and not him. So for me, I see it I see it as 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 a as a one of those Kobe like games where he's looking for blood and he's gonna come out, he's gonna play hard, he's gonna try to get a win right on that day in LA. And I and I'm and I'm really looking forward to it. Um not because I'm thinking it's a it's an NBA finals preview. Don't get me wrong. I'm not thinking it's an NBA Finals preview at all, at all, especially not right but now. But it will be Kobe's NBA Finals. But it will be Kobe's NBA Finals. It will be it would be one of those games where Kobe is extra turned up, and LeBron's going to be turned up, and hopefully Wade is is healthy so he can get turned up, and it's going to be it's going to be it's it's going to be a a, a, a it's going to be very entertaining as a sports fan. It's going to be very fun. So. Um, yeah, that Chicago-Cleveland game and uh, the L.A. Heat game on Christmas are two of the games early on that I'm, I'm like, certainly looking forward to. Nice, nice. So, yeah, again, October 30th, um, October 29th, rather, excuse me, um, opening night for the NBA this season, for the 2013-2014 season. Um, it should be exciting, a lot of storylines, a lot of firsts and comebacks. Again, I think that's going to be the running theme of, of the NBA season. Uh, before we get to football, and we'll give we'll let Tommy take it away on football real quick. Um, I do want to get real quick. I want to get you guys takes on Chris Paul's recent comments. Um, he told in a in a sit down with, with Ramona Shelbourne from ESPN this week. Um, he did his kind of his become like an annual tradition for him now, which I really feel bad for him for for him to 
sit down with someone from ESPN in the off season and talk about how he hasn't won a championship yet and how his legacy is kind of just dwindling. Um, obviously, the Clippers have made some some changes. The new head coach has got Doc Rivers now. They made a couple personnel moves this summer. Um, but in his sit down, Chris Paul talked about you know those things that he talked about the 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 uh, the series against the Memphis Grizzlies in which they lost in the first round um, this past postseason. Um, and also about Blake Griffin. Um, it was kind of the highlight of the conversation. Um, it is suggesting that, and I'm paraphrasing, I did uh, write up a little reaction, my own reaction on our on the basketball blog, on our basketball blog. Um, but Chris Paul kind of suggesting that 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 it, it, the team talking about the Clippers is Blake Griffin's team, and that um, that the team will go as he goes. Uh, real quick, I'll just say you know my take on it. I think. Um, I think he's on to something. I mean, a big part, I think, of the Clippers' flaws, which I've at least recognized uh, personally, is that uh, I felt like they were too much of just a one-on-one, you know, showtime team. I mean, a a big part of their appeal and their success is based on them getting up and down and throwing their lobs and the pick-and-roll game and and whatnot. um, But, you know, with Jamal Crawford, and, you know, even someone like Karan Butler, who, who, you know, I mean, essentially you have guys that benefit from Chris Paul. And so, of course, with him being the point guard and him being Chris Paul, the inclination is to say that they will go as far as Chris Paul goes. Well, up to this point, that's kind of been true, and they, they haven't gotten very far. So I, I think he's on to something. And I think, you know, long-term going into the postseason, guys, I think, you know, a, a big part of your success in the postseason obviously being able to, to play better, more efficient half-court offense and score inside. And Blake Griffin is your best post, post player, and in my eyes he's the Clippers' second best playmaker because even as an undersized forward, he's able to put the ball on the floor. He can make plays off the catch and off the bounce. So realistically he's their best playmaker. Of course he finishes at the rim, but he also sets guys up. He's a pretty good passer. He's the size of a guard, so and, and he ball he handles the ball very well, almost like a guard. So I, I think he's on to something here. People have been kind of critical of his comments, you know, saying, well, it's really Chris Paul's team, he should be the leader, but Chris Paul is saying, you know, it should be more it should be more about Blake. So uh real quick, Jay, I'll go to you first. What do you what do you make of that comment from Chris Paul? <laughs> that that's hor that that uh, I'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, that is that is that is so far from the truth, yo. That is so, yo, son. That is so so far from the truth. Stop. No, Chris Paul. The Clippers go as Chris Paul goes. That's at its point. He Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin is not Blake Griffin without Chris Paul. Yeah. He's Blake Griffin is not a. Oh my God! This makes me so mad. This really, this really does. I'm, I'm really disappointed in Chris Paul because, first of all, he's the he's the point guard of that team. He makes everything go. That that is his job. He's supposed to be the leader of that team. Okay, maybe I don't know what I don't know what he's trying to do with these comments, but if they go as far as Blake Griffin takes them. Then they're not. Then they're still going to be a first round team, a first round, a first round plus every single year. Yo, this. Yo, I don't. 
I don't like Blake Griffin's game, you know. I will, and I and I, and I and I'll tell this to anybody. I don't like Blake Griffin's game. He has no back to the basket, any type, no to the basket moves at all. He, when he puts ball, when he puts the ball on the floor, I'm just waiting for someone to take the ball from him. He's like one of those guys, you know, the guys where you, when you're playing, when you're hooping, and like you know the guy that gets the ball and he has to dribble. And and yeah. you don't even think about it. You just go double him. Like, yeah, let's go get this money because he's gonna give it to. You. That's how I think he's ripping it. And, and 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 he bothers me when he dribbles the ball. So I'm like, yo, somebody take that. But it's I don't like that, man. I don't like it. I think I think it's I think it's I I don't I can't even find the word because every word that I'm that I'm thinking of I I don't want to say on the radio. But it's it, it's not it's not. It's not correct. That was not a correct statement. I do. I could. I couldn't agree. I disagree any more than what I already do. That team goes as far as Chris Paul go, takes them. That's it. And Doc Rivers knows that, which is which is which is why I'm not I'm not worried about his comments too much because Doc Rivers knows that. Doc Rivers went to went to LA because. Of Chris Paul and, and and yes, DeAndre Jordan and Blake Griffin helped. Of course, any coach would want a young, athletic uh, front court like that that are just getting better. And I'm not saying Blake Griffin isn't getting better. I'm saying that he is not the guy yet. Chris Paul is still the guy. I think if they ever win a championship, that it's going to be because of Chris Paul. At the end of the game, Martin. At the end of the game. Do you give Blake Griffin the ball, or do you have Chris Paul create something to win you a game? I, I personally, I say you put Chris Paul and Blake Griffin in a two-man game, and I mean, you, okay. you Chris Paul has the, you, Chris Paul has, you know, he makes the decision. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. When when you're talking about when you're talking about the guy that that that's going to be the leader, the guy that makes that's going to take the team where they need to go. You think immediately about who's going to have the ball and make the last decisions of a game. And yeah. regardless of what happens, there will never be a game where they say, okay, yo, Blake, flash to the high post, we're going to give you the ball, we're going to clip it out, and you make the decision. No. Right. No. If it, it, yeah, Blake Griffin should be involved. But Chris Paul will ultimately make the decision, and he and and he'll ultimately decide the fate of the game based on that decision. It won't be it won't be Blake Griffin. So that that's some that's some that's some crap. So that is that is. And Jay, that is, and Jay, I will I will say I I'll, I'll 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 say I think Chris Paul. I think a big part of him saying that, it, uh, and it may be all of it, but I really feel like a big part of that is. Chris Paul making kind of a, a, a public case of confidence, like just just looking to instill yeah. confidence in Blake, just looking to kind of just yeah. hype him up and build him up and make him feel like you know a little more important because maybe that might affect the play. That that may be kind of like an underlying thing there, but uh, I, I definitely concede. I concede to your point. Yeah, no, and I can and I can certainly see that. I hope that's what he was. I, I, Martin, I pray to God that's what he was saying. I really, I like, like I really, I, everything in me hopes that that's what he was saying. And 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 cause, cause, come on, let's be realistic. Blake Griffin is not the guy that you want with the ball at the end of the game 
to to decide the fate of the game. You're not going to ISO him. He doesn't have a back-to-the-basket game, so it's not like a Tim Duncan where you could come down and you could run a set that will get him a touch inside. He's not there yet. Hopefully he'll get there one day, but he's not there yet. At the end of every single Clipper basketball game when there's a one-point game and they have the ball, Doc Rivers will be diagramming a play where Chris Paul will ultimately decide the game. And and, and and that's why he's the leader of that team. That's why they go as he goes, because it's his job to to make those plays. Right, that's and, Chris, and Blake that's Griffin that's doesn't the, go if Chris heat, Paul isn't going. Yeah, the Heat wouldn't, the heat wouldn't run a play for Bosch <laughs> at the end of a game and not have LeBron James involved in it. Like they wouldn't, they they like they they have Wade. Blake Griffin's not a Wade. He he he's Blake Griffin. He dunks. He finishes around the rim. He rebounds. He he plays. He tries to play defense, and and that's what he does well right now. But he's but he's not the he's not the he's not the the end all be all of that team. It's Chris Paul. So uh, uh, if I even if I had to list who are the most important pieces. Of, of the Clippers that would lead them to a championship, I would say Chris Paul, Doc Rivers, then Blake Griffin. But yeah, he's not—he's not the guy. He's not the guy, and and I and I don't like that Chris Paul said that. And I and and it's just—it's it's horse it's horse y'all can finish it. It's horse. What <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, other word I'm trying to say? So this is not no good. <laughs> Uh, I would agree Martin. from uh, yeah, but I would agree from Martin's standpoint that it was a um, it's, it's a psyche, it's a, it's a mental thing. I think he, Chris Paul doesn't need that that extra motivation, that extra. He, Chris Paul's a dog. He he comes on the court with that Allen Iverson, that Cappy Pondexter, thinking he's the best player regardless. Chris <laughs> Paul doesn't need that. So I think that it's it's definitely a mind game because if anything, Blake Griffin needs that extra motivation, that extra, you know, that kick in the back because he knows that in order for the Clippers to go to that elite level, to that next level of championship, they need Blake Griffin to contribute. Double-double numbers, whether it's 20 and 10, whether it's 18 and 12, they need a, a healthy dose of Blake Griffin if they're trying to win a championship. Yeah, and a big and and uh, the central focus of their offense, and it still will be with Doc Rivers because now you've got two snipers with JJ Redick and Jared Dudley. Is their pick and roll game? It's going to be pick. It's still going to be pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. And Blake Griffin is your primary option in the pick and roll. And even though he can't really shoot it off that, I, I I've seen him make plenty of plays off the bounce in that pick and roll. So he's got to be extra effective off the catch because I I mean. I just seen too many times Chris Paul going one on one at the end of the game. That Vinny Del Negro lack of structure, just one on one, one on one, one on one. Like, no, now you're getting continuity with Doc Rivers, and now you need Blake Griffin to be a highly effective pick and roll man because that that's that's the crux of their offense. That's how they're going to space people out. That's how Chris He's Paul can set guys up. Yeah, he is. But I mean, again, with that, with the mind of Doc Rivers behind it, and with Paul, Chris Paul pulling the strings, you know, he should be Blake Griffin should be able to get, and with better shooters now on the outside with their personnel, Blake Griffin should be able to catch and make a move and finish, or catch, make an extra pass, and, and get an open three in the corner or, or or on the opposite side. I mean, 
that pick and roll game is 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 the crux of their offense. And without an effective picker, roller, and ball handler, you're you're I mean you're essentially lost. But I I definitely concede to Jay's point because at the end of the day, you go through Chris Paul before before it can even get to Blake Griffin, it has to go through Chris Paul. So and then you're not going to Blake Griffin before Chris Paul because again it's it's the pick and roll sequence. You would, it's not like Carl Malone and John Stockton, right? Like, you could go to Carl Malone on the block and say, mailman, get us the bucket, and he did that. I mean, heck, he's second all-time in scoring in, in league history. Um, but it was uh, the pick and roll was, a, was a, you know, an added facet of, the, of that two-man game between them. But Carl Malone was someone that could score on his own. He didn't need John Stockton for the pick and roll. John Stockton just, you know, that was just a luxury for them. For Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, it's pick and roll or die. <laughs> And, and and I definitely concede to Jay's point on that. Um, uh, we can segue now, I think, into our football segment. Uh, Tommy's going to take the lead here. Tommy's football blog, scoopandscore.blogspot.com. You can check that out uh, for his thoughts and analysis on, on different topics in football. Um, the NFL preseason obviously underway. I know I didn't get a chance to catch any of the action. Tommy filled me in a little bit on on uh, some action last night. I did hear that Mark Sanchez threw an interception on his first drive, though. So, bravo, <laughs> Mark Sanchez. You are, you're still getting it, my brother. You're still getting it. <laughs> but, uh, some, some NFL preseason action, guys, and, uh, and uh, a, little, a little general overview and discussion for the AFC East division. We said we would break it up by division each, each week and just have a discussion about each division as we go. So, today we're doing some AFC East action. Uh, Tommy, take the lead. Take us off. Uh, tell us what's going on. Yeah, man, I don't even got nothing written down for this segment. I'm going to just freestyle through, you know what I mean, some thoughts I got. Um, <laughs> nah, I'm staying with y'all. <laughs> but um, I'm going to start with the the Patriots. We got to see them. I got to see them play last night against the Eagles. Um, actually, both offenses, we're talking about the AFC East, but both offenses looked very, very, very effective, very efficient, very potent. And I was um, – I was not surprised because the Patriots were the second leading offensive attack last season. But they had a heavy dose of Stephen Ridley, Shane Vereen, heavy uh, early on, and they were very effective between the tackles. Um, even uh, LeGarrette Blount, the um, acquisition from them, came on, and he had a, actually a 55-yard, a 50-plus yard. Actually, it was a, yeah, it was a 50-plus yard touchdown. He did a little dance, a little spin around. I don't know if you guys got to see the, the Eagles-Patriots. Did any of you guys get, get to watch that, Jay or L? Yeah. I got I got to watch it last night. Yeah, the um, you saw that run by the Garibaldi, or you didn't get? I I, I did. It was, no, that was I, I I thought that was Stephen Ridley that had the fifty yard run. No, it was it was Garrett. Yeah, well, it was, it was okay, Garrett. Oh, my fault. Yeah, yeah, no, do, I, man. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots, the Patriots still look sharp. I mean, you know, they they have. 70% of, well, really 80% of their receivers from last year are gone. You know, Aaron Hernandez, Gronk's hurt. Um, um, Wes Welker, obviously, is now in Denver. And Brandon Lloyd, they didn't resign him. So, you know, all these weapons who were obviously the best weapons that Tom Brady has had in the group um, are all gone. And Belichick and Brady just, they don't care. They just, it's like the, the the bus never stops running. It's just like okay, like well, all right, well, we'll just get it done with these guys. Um, and it it was crazy to see how much they're running the ball because you know when we when we see the Patriots, um, 
they they have over the last few years established some balance with the run and throw, but they're 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 a gunning team. They 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 want high tempo. They they just want Tom Brady to throw the ball and spread the ball and and, and now it seems like they're going to be even more balanced with this run game. Um, I mean they were playing the Eagles, uh, but but uh, they they did look good. Their ground game looked very very good, and and if you if you can run the ball consistently with with a with a quarterback like Tom Brady, um, it, it seems though that the that the Patriots aren't going <laughs> to miss a beat, and that's just unreal to me. But that's that's the Patriot way. Exactly, man. They had um they had rookie Andre, I mean uh, Aaron Dobson, who yeah. came in and had an early impact uh, receiving, mm-hmm. and you know I, I didn't really know where he came from. He came from Mark. He was from uh, the Marshall product. Most you ever hear about. It. Yeah, I didn't really hear much about him, but um, I'm gonna move on to the to the Jets. You know, we heard the as Martin said, Mark Sanchez came out and threw that pick six early, and you know, yeah, I, as a <laughs> you know, Jets fans, I mean, they they go through a rough stretch, man, because they're passionate fans. I know a lot of Jets fans, and they're they're waiting, hoping for a winning product eventually. But um, you know, Sanchez he did get it together after that early interception. He was ten for thirteen, 125 yards, a touchdown. Um, he, he he led he led an 80 yard drive, but um, you know they they just they're they're lacking some some weapons on the outside. San Antonio Holmes isn't back yet. Um, they got Braylon Edwards back. They lost that Dustin Keller. Um, you know with the running game, they they got they they signed Chris Ivory from the Saints, mm. who is they're looking to to put in that that lead back role. But they have uh, they got second year running back Bilal Powell who who was looking explosive from time to time there. So you know the Jets actually actually their defense didn't look too bad as well. So they're just they're missing they're they're, they're missing that experience. I would say the quarterback. That, 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 yeah, that <laughs> quarterback man. But you know, Mark Sanchez he keeps saying things like he's he's confident and they're gonna make the playoffs. But it's almost like. You know, it's you know, you know, it's like I had an old coach who used to say it's like pissing in the wind because you know it's just been blowing right back in your face. You know, it's, it's nothing that's sure, nothing that's promised. But um, I'm gonna just I'm gonna finish off the division and I'm not, I'm not, uh, get into you guys because I know you guys got stuff to say about football as well, um, especially about the AFC East. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. But um, the Dolphins, I got to see again yesterday. Uh, Ryan Hannahill was. He was five for nine, seventy-five yards, touchdown pass to ex-Jet Dustin Keller. Um, that they uh, they're looking to see that offense take the next step with uh, Mike Wallace, the addition on the outside. So you know, uh, there a lot of a lot of promising pieces that have been added to, to the Dolphins, but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of inexperience at the running back position. Um, they got. A young guy from Florida, Mike Gillisley, who had 12 carries for 37 yards, a guy who I actually had a, a lot of time to see at Florida last season. He's an explosive back. So, um, you know, there's, I think there's a little competition there between him and, uh, and the, they got the young guy, Miller, who's a second year back as well. Uh, Buffalo plays tonight. Uh, there's a quarterback competition between Kevin Cobb and the, the rookie pickup, E.J. Manuel from Florida State. Um, Sorry. That's kind of intriguing. It's intriguing to me though because EJ Manuel, he's the he's a prototypical. He has the size of an NFL quarterback. He's six five. He's two twenty, and he has the arm strength, the athleticism. He just has to work on the the fine tuning of his game. He could be, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's the he's that team as the starting quarterback come early in the season, especially if Kevin Goff not uh, is struggling. If they got a young uh, CJ Spiller who who accounted for over 1,900 all-purpose yards last season, so they got an explosive back in CJ Spiller. Fred Jackson is also explosive. You know, they got Stevie Johnson. Um, you know, but they have pieces to to surprise some teams from from game to game, which is um, evident why they start off the season six and two. You know, and they'll end up, you know, nine or eight and you know, eight and eight or something like that. You know what I'm saying? But the the Bills, they 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 haven't had luck on their side. Let's just put it like that. But um, <laughs> who do you guys like in the AFCs coming out this year? I I personally really like the Miami Dolphins, man. Um, I'm a I I've, I've turned into a football fan over the last three years, like, not like a casual fan. Like, I really love football. Um, and, yeah, man. And, and I have yeah. a – I have a roommate. You know, I, I, you know, Martin, don't don't get mad at me. But I get more excited for Sundays than I do NBA season, regular season. Come on, man. I can't lie. I can't lie. <laughs> Easily. You know, maybe, maybe it's a one-day-a-week one thing. It's definitely fantasy yeah. football. Which I'm just all about, which I'm all okay. about. But um, Sundays, Sundays are my days, man. I'm, I'm on this one. Sundays are my days. But um, but I really like what the Dolphins did. Okay, they get Mike Wallace, um, probably the fastest, fastest guy in the league. And the, 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 he just he he burns by people, and they finally have a big play threat with Mike Wallace. You cannot single coverage with no help over the top on Mike Wallace, he will burn you every time. And I think Tannehill is making great strides. Um he look he he had games last year where he was where he was more than solid. He was one of those rookie quarterbacks last year that I thought got looked over because, you know, he just didn't have the Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, uh R G three type year. But he was still very, very solid for a rookie quarterback. So I'm I'm actually thinking that Miami might steal this division this year. Um, I love mm. what they have on defense. They drafted a defensive end in the first round, who from 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 reports is is an animal. He's he's uh, he's been uh, compared to Justin Pierre-Paul from from the Giants, who's my guy. Um, he's very very raw, but he's but he's the athleticism and and the strength. You know, you can't coach that. You can't teach that. Um, and he has it, and their run defense over the last few years has been has been at the top of the league, and nobody really notices that. But every year, Miami's run defense is always tremendous. Um, when you're playing against Tom Brady, you have to neutralize the Patriots' run game so they can't yeah. beat you both ways. So I think Miami is the one team in the division that can actually do that. And I think that, and I honestly think they steal a game from the Patriots this year and 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 have a chance to really, really make the playoffs and possibly win that division, um, which, which you know, that the AFC East, guys, let's be real, it's been years, it's been years since anybody even were sniffing the Patriots. Like, it's been years since anybody was even, was even a, 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 a little bit of a threat to the Patriots. Only when, you know, Sanchez's early years where he had the best yeah. defense and he just had to be a game manager and not turn over the ball. And he had better weapons those years as well, much better with, you know, the LT at the end of his career, but he still had LT. Sean Green had good years back then. Um, so he had help around him, so he was better. 
Um, but in that division, you know, the the easy answer is the Patriots, but I'm I'm really, really leaning towards Miami um, because of the pieces that they've added um, this year. And if you watch Hard Knocks last year, you and you saw Coach Philbin at work. He's a no-nonsense guy, man. He, he's exactly. very like Belichick. He runs a tight ship. And and he's a guy that he comes from the Packer organization, so he obviously has a winning pedigree. Um, and he has an offensive-minded uh, uh, approach as being a head coach and with a young quarterback who's blossoming like Tannehill. You put more weapons around him with Dustin Keller, who I think is going to be a red zone monster this year. Um, and you have Lamar Miller. Um, who's an up-and-coming running back who a lot of people are very, very high on. I got to see him a little bit in preseason, and uh, he fumbled on his first possession. But uh, the next two the next two possessions, he had some very, very impressive runs. Um, so I really like what Miami can do this year. I, even if they don't win the division, they are a scary wild-card threat um, coming out of the AFC East. The Bills have C.J. Spiller. Um, that's about it. As a fantasy player, I would love to have him. Um, I heard I, I was watching NFL Network, and the offensive coordinator for the Bills said our offense is pretty much going to be we're going to feed T.J. Spiller until he throws up, and that's a quote. They have to. Going to feed T.J. Spiller until he throws up. So um, with 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 them having a quarterback problem, and in a league where you need a quarterback in a division where you're playing against Tom Brady, they just don't have a chance, and. uh I don't really have to say much about Mr. Butt Fumble, Mark Sanchez. <laughs> you know, if I'm Rex Ryan, if I'm Rex Ryan, I see that tape, I see the tape of that game, and I see that butt fumble, and I'm like, yo, son, you're not built for this league. Yo, you're tough. <laughs> That's it. Like, yo, yo, I honestly think I never thought I would say this, yo, but I honestly think the Jets should have given my son Tim Tebow a chance last year. It's bad as Sanchez was. And I think now with Geno Smith, the upside with Geno Smith is so great that I think the Jets could could afford struggling with Geno Smith for for maybe a year or two, and just chalking Sanchez instead of just having Geno Smith sitting on the sideline and have Sanchez out there running into people's asses and fumbling the ball <laughs> and throwing a. You know, I wish I didn't get to see that preseason game last yesterday, but I wish I would have saw it. I would have been Harlem shaking if I would have just saw Sanchez. <laughs> Throw a pick on his first. I would have, you know, I swear on everything I learned. Last year, there were times where where Sanchez would come onto the field for the first possession of the game, and I'm like, yo, watch this man throw an interception, and boom, it happens. Like, like right on, like right on cue with Sanchez. I hate him. I think he's a terrible quarterback. I think, you know, I, I really, I feel bad because I like Rex Ryan, and though I'm a Giants fan, I do have a little place in my heart for the Jets, and I want to see them do well. But come on, man. How, how so, so what are the assessments on uh, what are the assessments on Geno Smith? I mean, is he is he a viable option? He is, he is. From from training camp, I, I've I've gotten I've, I, I'm he played solid that. yesterday. But I've I've seen some I've seen some reports about their scrimmages and practice and stuff like that. And Geno Smith has picked up the offense they said, and he does seem like a good fit for the system. Um, but they're paying Mark Sanchez a lot of money, and when it comes in football, the guys yeah. the guys that are getting paid are the guys that are going to play. And they yeah. made a huge mistake signing him for how much he got signed for a few years ago, and now it's biting him in the ass. And 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 but Geno Smith, I believe, gives them the best chance to win right now and for the future. I, I Mark Sanchez is not the future of anybody's franchise. He should be in the CFL. <laughs> he should be. In the CFL. 
<laughs> Mark Sanchez should be in the arena league. <laughs> oh, there it is. You know, uh, Smith, he, he played, uh, he sprained his ankle yesterday, but he was, um, he was a little bit indecisive, but he has the arm strength. That was evident, and he just he just needs more experience, I believe. So to your point, Jay, that that might be a good option. They might as well just throw him in the fire because what do they have to lose at this point? Yeah, I think that's the same case with the Bills. They might as well throw E.J. Manuel in the fire yeah. right now and get him some playing time and experience for their future. I mean, they're, they're, the guys that they have there are not going to win them a conference championship or get them to the playoffs. No, yeah, we know what we know what Kevin we know what Kevin Kauf does and it's absolutely nothing. Um <laughs> my my thoughts on the AFC East, I, I certainly agree with Jay. I think that the Miami Dolphins are going to surprise a lot of people this year. I mean they they didn't have a terrible year last year. Like Jay said, their run defense is, is very good. It's very good and they and they've done some improving over the off season in their secondary. I know they've brought a new safety in. And um, I, I think Cameron Wake's one of the one of the better pass rushers, run stoppers in the league. I mean, he Cameron Wake is an absolute beast, and, and another guy, Carlos Dansby. I think they they have they have real solid pieces on the defensive end. I think I think the questions are always or for right now at least for Miami are going to be on the offensive end. I think that Ryan Tannehill is is a bit underrated. I think that, you know, he he can certainly do some good things for Miami. He's definitely comfortable with Coach Philbin, and and they they seem to have a good rapport going, and and Philbin seems to have some confidence in Tannehill and, you know, saying, like, all right, Tannehill's going to be our guy. And, I mean, it's not like they have much other options because Matt Moore is absolutely terrible. I mean, Matt Moore could maybe start in in playing for the Jets and that's just because, yeah, but um, I think I think I, I I'm interested to see what happens with Lamar Miller because I think that Miami had, you know, I, I think Reggie Bush is not a bad back whatsoever. I think that he's he's certainly not a, a twenty to thirty carry a game back, and, and that showed in Miami. I mean, he certainly had some very good games and he had some very bad games. I think that the offensive coordinator and that whole staff there kind of struggled with figuring out how to use. Um, Reggie Bush to the best of their abilities, and, and they kind of rode him into the ground, which which sucked because I, I thought that he was good for them, and he I mean he certainly showed glimpses of being really good. I them adding Mike Wallace and having a, a legitimate deep threat. The guy Brian Hartline, who they had playing outside last year, was a good receiver, and he is a good receiver still. And I think I mean yeah. them having Mike Wallace is certainly going to open up Brian Hartline to be able to you know make some shorter routes. He's a longer guy. He has good hands. He's not the greatest athlete in the world, but he has very good hands. And you know he's he's probably about six two, so he's 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 not small by any means. And, and he's a guy that you know can make some plays. But I think Mike Wallace, them having a legitimate playmaker, like a guy that can really go deep and, and hurt teams, I think is is huge for them. Also, Dustin Keller. I thought the tight end that they had for the last few years, Anthony Fazano, was good. He was certainly good. He was primarily, you know, utilized in the red zone areas. He caught a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. But Dustin Keller is a skilled tight end. So having a guy like that also, I think, certainly boosts their offensive game. And I, I think they, they definitely do give New England a run. But I still I still have to give the nod to New England. And, I mean, the the primary reason for me giving the nod to New England is, is Brady Belichick. I think that they're seriously – Kobe and my um, Kobe and Phil, Mike and Phil, like they they're that good together. And, and Tom Brady is arguably one of the best 
quarterback to ever do this thing here, and and I I think that you just can't count him out. I I've heard pretty good things about the guy uh, Tommy mentioned, Aaron Dobson, the rookie out of Marshall. I've heard good things about him. I heard that you know he's a he's a taller outside guy that that can really be a playmaker for them. I mean they obviously they lost um, they lost Wes Welker, but and they and they didn't resign Brandon Lloyd. But I think Brandon Lloyd certainly. I mean I, I don't think he got thrown to enough, but at the same time he wasn't he wasn't making very good use with the ball that he was getting thrown to them. So if they have an outside guy, like a young, explosive guy like Aaron Dobson that can maybe step in and, you know, be a playmaker down the stretch, I think that that's huge for them. A Danny Amendola is, ob- is going to be a huge threat for Tom Brady. I mean, this is, <laughs> I think Danny Amendola, if he stays healthy, he, he's realistically West Welker but younger. So he he's, he's as fast. He's a slot guy. He he's a utility guy. You know you can put him anywhere. You you can catch out of the backfield. You know on those quick routes, on those underneath routes. I, he's a guy that can get the ball and really you know create trouble for the secondary because he's that fast to where he can catch the ball. You know only five six yards from the line of scrimmage and extend it to a twenty yard pickup like relatively easily. He's like Wes Welker where uh, in St. Louis they had him doing punt returns and he was very effective on punt returns. He's that type of guy that can, you know, make moves in a little bit of space. So I, I think uh, uh, Danny Amendola is definitely going to be huge for them. They they have to have Brock back. I think, I, I mean, yeah. Brock has gone through a series of surgeries through this offseason and last year and I, hopefully they'll be able to get him back at at least 90%, even 90% Gronk is better than most other tight ends in the NFL. And I, I think that they have, if, if they can have Gronk, especially since Aaron Hernandez is probably going to spend the rest of his life behind bars, um, I, I think if they can have Gronk healthy, and, you know, I've heard talks about them um, bringing in Jake Ballard a little bit more, who's a guy that was, was in New York when they won the last Super Bowl, and, and he was – pretty effective for New York. He was one of two tight ends that New York used, so he wasn't necessarily getting, you know, all the attention at the tight end position, but at the same time, he did good things with what he got. And, and Belichick really likes that two tight end set. I mean, Jake Ballard is nowhere. Okay, okay. He's not as big. He's not as athletic. He's not going to necessarily be able to run receiver routes the way Aaron Hernandez did. But at the same time, Jake Ballard is another is another option. I think that I mean last year we saw the Patriots do something that they didn't that they haven't done for a very long time and that's run the ball on a consistent basis. Once yeah. they got Stephen Ridley, they were really able to you know start to be able to use their run game and, and use that to get an offensive advantage. And Stephen Ridley is pretty good, man. I, I think I think with with age and experience, Stephen Ridley is only going to be able to get better. He's a very explosive back. I mean, he's not the fastest back. He's no C.J. Spiller, but at the same time, he's he's a guy that can certainly make plays for them, and he showed that last year. So I think with that ground, if they're going to, you know, ground the ball a little bit more with, you know, Spiller and Vereen and, and LeGarrette Blunt even, who's a guy that can be a good third down back, a good goal line back, a, a heavier guy that can, you know, break a few tackles. And like, I mean, like we said yesterday, busted out a 55-yard run. <laughs> something similar. I mean, he lost his he lost his starting job to Doug Martin uh, in Tampa Bay, but, but Doug Martin's realistically a top five back in the league already. I think that, has a, I think that had a lot to do with maturity, though. Oh, oh, definitely has a lot to do with maturity. But uh, I think that Legarrette Blunt, I think Legarrette Blunt can be some good things. You know, I, I mean, Belichick is is the guy that uses everybody he has 
just for what he needs them for. Like, he, you, I mean, you see guys that only come in once or twice a series and are extremely effective, from the Danny Woodheads to, you know, last year they also had the guy Brandon Bolden who got hurt, but he was another rookie running back who was uh, similar to LeGarrette Blount, a heavier back that they used in short-game uh, situations to kind of just pick up a yard or two when they need it. So, I, I mean, I think LeGarrette Blount can be good for them and. You know, maybe maybe they'll even throw Tebow on the field and have him play some fullback or some tight end or something like that. I mean, you never – the Belichick is really one of those guys where it's exciting to watch him play. I, I, I would say the only other guy that's like that in the league that I'm excited to see what he's going to do is like a is, – is a um, – what's the guy in Seattle's name? I don't know why I'm forgetting his name. Um, Jeff Kelly? Carroll. No, 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 in Seattle. Oh, Russell Wilson? No, no, the, the coach in Seattle, I'm sorry. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll, I'm sorry. I, know, I, know, I, 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 I couldn't hear you. All right, yeah, Pete Carroll is, is another one of those guys that will throw, you know, surprises at you, like really take risks. Also, Sean Payton. But, but um, I, I think that I think that Belichick, I mean, he, he's not a guy that necessarily gets flustered. You know, he, he loses guys, things happen, and, and they still win. So, I, I – I still feel like, I mean, Jay, Jay didn't not say that the Patriots are the favorite. They're obviously still the favorite. But I, I, I do think that the Patriots are still going to be okay and, and they're going to make a good run. The Jets and the Bills are both, you know, I mean, they're <laughs> the bottom tier teams. And I, I don't expect them to do much. I hope that both of them do give their rookies some time to really play because both of their rookies, I think, can be pretty good. I mean, just, just you know, Smith's mobility. I, I mean, we, we see what happens when Mark Sanchez gets out of the pocket. We see what <laughs> he, he, he does terrible, terrible things. He does awful <laughs> things with the football. He's, I mean, you know, but how, I really don't understand that situation whatsoever because there's no, like, there are backups in the league that are better than Mark Sanchez. There's no, like, like I feel like I think it has I mean, to be if you watch ESPN, if you watch ESPN and like the guys on first take, like these guys give it to Mark Sanchez on a daily basis to where I feel like at this point they don't even talk about it. They just laugh when Mark Sanchez comes up. And yet he still has a starting job. It it it's laughable. It really is. I, I know Rex Ryan is, is he seems kind of stubborn and a guy that's gonna stick to his word and like Jay said, they're paying Sanchez all that money so they're gonna put him on the field and make him perform but I mean, how much how much pain can you really take? Like if I was a, if I was a Jets fan, I would be sick. I would be I would be vomiting every Sunday that Mark Sanchez lines up behind center as our start. So I, I they 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 definitely have to do some things there. But yeah, I think the the AFC East is certainly one of those divisions that you kind of have to watch for. I mean, it, it, even if you're not going to see four great football teams, you're going to see some entertainment. <laughs> And, and, and that's right. for sure. So it, it's definitely a cool division. I, I like the AFC. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, I think that's a good point to wrap up on and go to go to commercial. Um, unless there's any final thoughts, we'll go to our first commercial and come back and talk music. Oh, we'll be right back on the collective. What's up? Trending topic, but fumble. Trending topic, people don't forget. <laughs> 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 right now you are tuned into the collective a weekly panel where young hosts come together to talk sports music tv and movies based on our blogs you just heard our sports segment 
Check us out at Blogspot. Basketball feed. Scoop and score. Keep up with our reactions, opinions, and analysis. We'll be right back to talk what we hear. Time of the day, y'all. It's that it's that part of our show where we don't steer you wrong, where we only steer you in the right direction. Uh, this is our What We Hear segment based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com, where we share and review music. Um, again, we invite any and all listeners, callers, um, please call in and let us know what you're hearing, what you've been listening to. We definitely want to know. Uh, 213-943-3618. Um, I guess I'll start off for this week. Um, I'll get us started. Um, I've got two rappers and um, and, and something a little different. Um, the first, both are recent releases, um, one as recent as this week. In fact, it just dropped two days ago. Um, MMG's Stally released his mixtape the other day called Honest Cowboy. Um, I'm actually reviewing it for Hip Hop 100 right now. Um, I've been putting up the songs that were leaked over the last couple weeks um, onto our music blog, um, AWACS, which came out a couple weeks ago, and then the 1987 joint with Schoolboy Q dropped this week. Um, both really good records. Um, the, the Stally is, is, he kind of floats under the radar. He's definitely the proverbial fourth wheel for MMG. Um, they're so top-heavy. I mean, you hear about Ross and Meek and, and Wale all the time. Stally kind of floats under the radar. I've, I've been a supporter of Stally since he was on uh, the Homie Currency's Pilot Talk album on that address record, um, which is just a phenomenal record. But I've been on Stally since, and I think this mixtape is, is, for him, gold. I mean, it's 11 songs, but it, everything about this mixtape, I think, really embodies the best of Stally. I think it's his best project. Um, he had the mixtape last year, Savage Journey to the American Dream. I thought that was, I, you know, I thought that was good. It got some notoriety. But this one, I think, is really, um, really manifests, like, the, the, the talent that this guy has. He's out of Maslin on Ohio. He has kind of like an old poetic type of soul. He's that kind of rapper. He's very modest. And he makes, like, ride-around music. I mean, I think he's kind of an overlooked lyricist, but his sound really has that classic kind of feel, and um, I really think he's kind of overlooked in terms of a, in terms of a lyricist. And he's got some really good cuts on this on this uh, mixtape. Um, I, I want to point out, this is the 
song I'll mention, but the, there's a song called Cup Inside of Cup, which I was really rocking out to yesterday, like kind of foolishly, because it uses the Drake sample. Um, I, know, I know you guys all remember this. Cup Inside of Cup, smoking ghost face killer, got these poppers going crazy. And I'm the man. That, that, that sample is used brilliantly on this song and uh i really didn't even catch it at first but when i played it another time it kind of sunk in and this sample was is just phenomenal um and just some really good cuts on there i mean the sampling the the the, the lyrics his delivery i think it really embodies everything that that's good and talented about this individual um but the song i'll mention is called a wax it's that ride around kind of like car talk type of sound um but it's upbeat um, it's a it, it's a really cool hook, um, just a really good feel good song, and uh, again, uh, just a lot really to to enjoy from that Sally tape. I think I think he's got a really fresh uh, sound coming out of that mixtape. Um, the next one is a young MC out of Chicago, which um, really makes me put even more shame to a Chief Keith because I think this kid is a way 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 better version of Chief Keith. Um, in fact, I think it's, I think anyone who really likes Chief Keef should be ashamed if they knew about this kid already because I was just put on this week. Um, this kid, Lucky X, out of Chicago, dropped a mixtape back in June called Alternative Trap, which kind of drew me in off that <laughs> because you're talking about two concepts that completely um, that completely clash, but when you hear the tape and you hear the sounds, you really kind of, come to terms with the concept, and I think he kind of executes that concept really, really well. And, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, it's two things that I love, alternative music and trap music. I mean, you wouldn't assume <laughs> that they go together, um, but he's got kind of this alternative sound. It, it's like ambient. It's really good production. I mean, I've really been enjoying the sound of it. From a lyrical and a production standpoint, this kid craps on Chief Keef any day of the week, in my opinion. He's got he's got kind of that Chief Keef like Chicago sound and 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 not delivery because Chief Keef's delivery is highly distorted and very annoying. But this kid's delivery is like a lot more fluent. He's actually talking about stuff. He actually has a message other than I'm going out to kill some folks. And um, I, I just really appreciate this kid's sound. And hearing that's the fact that he comes out of Chicago, I think that's really encouraging. Um, so the song from that tape that I'll put up is called Everything Outside. And I think that song, along with a few others, really embodies the whole alternative trap concept that he looked to to, uh, to cater to. So uh, I'll put that up. And the video was really cool as well. Um, I think everything about that really embodies his sound. Um, lastly, a Romanian singer uh, named Lucia, who was actually sampled by one of our homies, uh, Justin Arthur. Shout out to Jay Arthur. Um, he made a just put together a beat this week that he sent over to us, and I was listening, and I had to know where he got the sample from, and he told me he got it from this Romanian singer named Lucia, and I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it, um, L-U-C-I-A. And um, I looked her up just to get more of a sense of, the, of her music, and she's got these really ambient vocals. A song called Silence on YouTube has over 6 million views. It shows her sitting at the piano and singing out this song. Um, I, it's just the kind of vocals, the kind of the kind of spirit that I really do appreciate from, uh, from female vocalists. Um, she's been compared to or at least referred to as the Romanian Adele, and I think you really kind of get that sense when you hear her. So the song of hers is called Silence. 
um, which, again, on YouTube has over 6 million views. Um, I look forward to hearing more from her. So I've got Sally's Honest Cowboy, Lucky X out of Chicago, Alternative Trap, and uh, Lucia from Romania, her silence record. Uh, Tommy, uh, segue to you. Uh, what have you been hearing this week, Big Homie? I mean, that was good stuff. I got to check out the, that Sally mixtape you were talking about. I'm actually... Uh, yeah, you would I'm enjoy a, that. A, you would enjoy that. Where, where? I got... um. Last week, I came to y'all. I came out of left field in the What We Hear segment this year. This week, I'm going to stay right in that grass I was in. Um, I got a group called Capital Cities. It's an indie pop group. And I came across them because I watched First Take... Um, fairly often, I mean, not not as much as uh, as a brief, but they had a song called Center Stage, which is a they're indie pop, but this song is like is is a, is a retro track, and the, the vocals on there, they got two dudes, the, the guy named Ryan Merchant and Cebu Simonian, and they have they have good vocals, they have a really cool sound, man, and I I just I actually just bought their their album off um, Amazon.com, it's the EP entitled in a tidal wave of mystery. And, you know, these guys, they're really cool, man. They got another song called Kangaroo Track, Kangaroo Courts, which is a, an electro-rock song. It, it, it's got a... It, it's, it's almost like that... Remember those old FedEx commercials? I forget the group that used to play, but that, that that electro, like, really funky digital sound that, you know, it, it just catches your attention, well, at least appeals to me. And, you know, these guys, Capital Cities, um, those are my two tracks from them, Center Stage and Kangaroo Course. I really, really like these guys, and I'm looking forward to when the album comes in because it didn't get to my house yet, so I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of their um, their album. And um, the second guy I'm going to get to is a, is a DJ, a Dutch DJ named Martin Garrett. And I listen to 92.3 from time to time when I'm traveling, you know, between work, the gym, wherever I'm going, and they play a lot of... It's a lot of pop music, house music, you know, um, techno. And this guy, Martin Garrix, I just uh, shazammed one of his songs. It's called Animals. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i a newbie when, I, when it comes to listening to, you know, house, this house music techno genre. But this song knocks, guys. I'm telling you, like, <laughs> I, I want I want everybody, all three of you guys on this panel to just, just listen to this song when you get the chance. It's called Martin Garrix. Animals. This song just knocks, man. It starts off, it kind of lulls you in, you know. But when the beat hits around midway through through the, through the track, it just it starts knocking, man. You have no choice but to just bounce around. And um, but those are my those are my three tracks this week: Kang- uh, Center Stage and Kangaroo Courts and Capital Cities and Animals from Martin Garrett. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Never steering the people wrong. Off bat, we, we, we're just feeding you heat, feeding it to you, spoon feeding it to you. Just, you know what I'm saying? It's what we hear. Lawrence, tell us what you're hearing this week, big homie. Bless us. Bless us. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I've been listening to Mad Reggae Tone. Um, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, my fault. My fault. My fault. But, um, Nah, you know, I, so I've been, you know, we've been, like, talking about new music, and I, I, I want to try to get more new music involved as possible when I do this segment. I feel like I end up just reverting back to, like, stuff that's my favorite, which I guess I'm hearing every week. But this week, our main man, I mean, our, our boy, but 
I, I, I call her I call her Chavis. His 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 boyfriend. His his main name. His main man. Drizzy. You know what I'm saying? At the um, OBO Fest out in Toronto this past weekend, and I guess in celebration of the success of the fest, he um, dropped a new song called um, "Hold On, We're Going Home." Just so tough. Home, we're going tough. Home. So <laughs> tough. So tough. I Just mean, hold you know, on. this is this is one of the reasons why I am as much of a Drake fan as he is. No matter how corny he is as a person, sometimes he can make things like this and set and and shut everybody down. Like I mean, shut this is, is, I mean, when you listen to the song, I said yesterday, this almost sounds like a song. That could have been on Daft Punk's last album, the Random Access Memories. It's like pop techno almost, but he's like singing the entire time. There's no like Drake rapping or Aslabig or anything like that. And this and it's just fire, man. It's like it's almost like it's just like really it's really it's like it's an upbeat ballad, if that makes sense. But it's it's really really cool, and I really like the way he put it together. He has a guy on it by the name of Majid Bryan. I, I believe his name is, and, and she's, like, doing some ad-libbing and some harmonies with Drake, and he also has the bridge at the end of it. And it's just so cool, man. It's like it's like when when people try to put Drake in this box, he finds a way to break out of it, and, and this is one of those. So I, I've really been digging this track that week, um, that track this week. Um, yeah, and then my other one, I'm, I'm going to get a little ratchet, right? Um we, I was at work Uh-oh. yesterday morning, and I needed a I needed a pick me up at work yesterday, and I listen mm-hmm. to music all day at work, so that's kind of how I get my pick me ups, right? So I end up on on the YouTube, I'm just like, yeah, like what am I in the mood for, right? And and shout out Raga Doom, shout out to our, my man Charlie Beats. <laughs> I, I started thinking about my son Shaw, and, and you know our, our our guy Shaw is Jamaican, so he had the reggae on Smash. And look, I'm from I'm from. Northern New Jersey. So the my primary radio station growing up was Hot 97, and on every Sunday afternoon on Hot 97, it was Reggae Day, and it was jumping. So I listened to all of this stuff, right? So and some of the some of the like more popular things even got in the regular rotation. And I remember from high school there was a, a guy named I Wayne, and the name of the song is Can't Satisfy Her. She needs more wood for the fire. That was the everything back in the day, and that joint came on and, and really took me back to high school. This was really, really, it was really everything. And, it, and yo, know, reggae music inspires a lot. Like, it's it certainly been, like, a, a cornerstone in, in, in pop music for a while, you know. Like, I mean, a lot of uh, reggae has inspired a, a lot of our favorite artists, and, I mean, from rock to pop, to R&B, like, it, a lot of it has roots and inspiration in reggae, even yeah. rap, and, and it's, it's, it's just really cool, man, so if if you, if you haven't ever heard I, Wayne, Can't Satisfy Her, I don't know what you're doing, I don't know why you're doing it, but you need to just stop, and you need to hear this joint, and it'll change everything, it'll change everything, so check out New Drake, check out I, Wayne, Can't Satisfy Her, you know what I'm saying, off the elder ball. All day, all day. Jr. Jr. Kick it to us, big homie. 
Um, all right, so I got a few this week that I've been listening to. Um, I went back. I don't know why, yo, but this song, this song has a special place in my heart. I would probably put it in my top ten hip hop records of all time. Um, but I went back and I was just listening to some old currency, the hot spitter. And uh, life under the life under the scope came on, and for me that song that's probably my favorite uh, currency track of all time because it's the first one that I really, really, really like connected with him with, and I like felt it. Like I, I just love that song. Um, he kills every verse. The video is dope, um, and 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 it's just it's just it's just a classic to me. It's just a classic hip hop track. Uh, he just he murders that. So I, I stayed on my currency uh, uh, wave this week, and um, if I'm if I'm introducing currency to anybody who hasn't heard them um, as a fan, I'm like, okay, well, which which currency joint would I start off with to really introduce this guy to people or to anyone that I you know that I think should hear him. Um, and uh, Airborne Aquarium came to mind. Oh. Currency's uh, another just heater. Another just heater, emotional luggage, nothing of it. I don't check bags. I just carry y'all and leave that bullshit in the past. Like, just, oh, my God. He yeah. that. No, one of the best one-verse songs of all time in hip-hop, I swear, yo. It's one verse. There's no hook on this song. It's, 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 no it's just one long currency verse, and he is eating the entire time. The beat just fits, and and it's just... It's so good. It's just so good. So, Currency Life Under the Scope, Currency Airborne Aquarium, um, we're in heavy, heavy rotation for me this week. Um, you know I have to take it to the Trap Molly. Um, <laughs> so my son Gucci, man, Trap God, too. When I was, when I, was I talk so much shit, I wake a dead man up. Oh, dead man, man up, yeah. My tall red man up. Like, yo, yo so... <laughs> So so basic but so brilliant. That, like that's how I feel like Gucci <laughs> Man is the most basic genius of all time, you know. He's <laughs> super, super basic. But he's he's one of the trap lords. He's one of the one of the, the leaders of the trap movement. I, I would have to say is Gucci Man. Um so I was listening to when I was water whipping like this week a few times, just just I don't play it around more because he'll get mad. So like it's only when I'm like bothered, like just chilling alone, and I feel like turning up real quick, I'll throw on some Gucci. So I threw on Gucci, uh, Gucci Man Tribe God Two when I was water whipping, and and, and turned up to that real fast. And uh, one more, um, I still haven't gotten off this party next door of a wave, man. I just, I just, I listen to it every single day. I listen to this joint and. And there's only I think ten or eleven tracks on it, but uh, one track that I've definitely looked over a lot um, is the TBH joint. And Ooh. he just he just he just goes all the way in on that. Joint. <laughs> settle down, settle down, settle down. Like that that just goes so hard. And, and Are you with me, good, babe? Son, come on, V. Come on, V. That just, it just goes hard. I see you in the city. Like, y'all just wow it. Just wow it. Just wow it. So, I, so 
the two currency tracks that you just have to hear. If you're if you don't know currency, um, I would suggest those two tracks first um, to listen to to kind of get what he's about um, to really show how good of an actual rapper he is. Um, so the two currency tracks, um, TVH Party Next Door, still moving. And, uh, you know, I got to have something for the trap. So, you know, that Gucci Man trap got too <laughs> when I was water whipped it. What we hear, son. What we hear, son. <laughs> it's just, like, just put it in perspective. You know, we try to tell you. We we just took you from Sally to Romania to, to Capital City, you know what I'm saying, all the way over to Drizzy the God, Wateguan. Water whipping, we're covering all bases here. This what we hear saying ain't nothing to play with. It ain't nothing to overlook. All you got to do is listen and take note. That's all. We ain't gonna we ain't gonna see you wrong. <laughs> we only gonna point you in the right direction. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but yeah, as always, a very a very fruitful what we hear segment. Uh, that's that, that's good stuff all the way around. Uh, uh, getting to our our main uh, topics for our music segment now. Um, uh, right off the bat, Andre 3000. Um, a big announcement we got this week, apparently, um, from BET's president of music programming, Stephen Hill, tweeted a conversation that he had with 3K at the America's Most Wanted tour in D.C., where 3K claimed that a solo album will be released from him at the top of next year. Um, now, obviously, uh, Andre 3000 working on the Jimi Hendrix biopic right now, which is called All By My Side, and that will premiere in September. And um, seemingly this this solo album will be the follow-up to that at the top of next year. So um, I there shouldn't be much to say here. I mean, it's common knowledge that we're talking about one of the rap legends here, obviously one of the two members of the great rap duo Outkast. Um, but, you know, 3K has, has kind of distanced himself. He's been making his way back subtly. He made appearances on different people's albums. He was on Ross's album last year on the uh, the 16 record. He was on um, uh, the Real Her record with Drake on that Take Care album from two years ago. So he, he's been making little cameos here and there, kind of showing up. But uh, now, hopefully, an album coming from 3K. So, uh, Lawrence, I'll go to you first. You know, what do you make of this? What you know, how big of a deal is this for people who may not know? I mean, it's a huge deal, yo. I, I mean, this is realistically this will be his only his second. I mean, I, you can call it a second solo album. I, I mean, if you consider Love Below was a solo album, even though King paired him with a Big Boy Speaker Box, so they did put it out as an Outkast album. It was just a, a double disc, but okay. I mean. Okay. This this will be realistically Andre 3000's like first solo release, and I mean, I don't I don't know if 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 the people don't know this or not. Like if you don't recognize this, but Andre 3000 is one of the best we have in this here thing we call music. I mean, he he honestly is, and and I think that that's from a critical standpoint. I think most people would agree that you know he's one of the best to do this, and and. I think I think a solo project from him. I'm just really interested to see what it sounds like because I don't. I I honestly can't tell you the last time 
I've heard an Andre 3000 song since Love Below that was like just him. So I don't know what this is going to sound like. I don't know what mm. kind of, whether he's going to be singing. I mean, I would imagine that he's going to be doing a little bit of both the normal Andre 3000, the singing and rapping, but I don't know like what style songs he's going to go for. Because, I mean, he's honestly a guy that can do anything. Like, if you look at his features, because that's all we really have from Andre 3000. And he's killed all of them. He talked about Ross' feature, the T.I. feature he had on, on Trouble Man, the Frank oh, Ocean yeah, feature yeah. he had on uh, Pick Matter. I mean, he right. just kills features. He just does. I mean, even even the Drake song, the, the feature that he had on Real Hurt, he killed these verses. He absolutely yeah. killed these verses, and there's no denying it. So, I mean, if, if he can, like, whatever he's going to do, I, I'm under the you know, inclination that it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot. Even when he does the singing, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think that he, like, he does really cool things with his voice. Like, I mean, you, you talk about the uh, the Great Gatsby feature he had with Beyonce where he does oh, the yeah. Amy House cover. He's, yeah. he's going to church. He's killing it. Yeah. Like, I, I think that, that I think that his sound is one of the coolest, one of the more original. I think, like, that's one of the biggest things that I harp on Andre 3000 is originality. Like, there's no one like him. There's no one who can do what he does. And he knows that. I mean, he and he's not, like, one of those guys that's really out here doing it for the fame or doing it for the money or, or doing it for anything else. But he's, like, all about the music. And, and that's awesome to see that. I think that this is going to be a really emotional album. I mean, we, uh, it was in the news a few months ago that um, his mother had passed away. So uh, he, he seemed to be, you know, kind of going through it as anybody would and as anybody should. So thoughts still with him on that. But I think that he's going to, some of that emotion is going to carry over to this album. And we could, I think we could get a classic, man. I think, I think an Andre 3000 solo album has to be, I mean, I don't see where he can necessarily go wrong. Like, I don't think that he's going to make necessarily questionable decisions. I think that he he is he is that versatile to where he can almost do anything. So, I, I mean, I would expect maybe him to throw a, a, a classic ATL trap joint on there and eat real quick. I mean, he can do all of these flows that everyone does better, and he has a whole bag full of his own that no one else can do. So, I, I, I'm I'm thoroughly excited. I'm as excited for this as, you know, Kanye's album, Jay-Z's album, like that caliber type of stuff. Kendrick's next album, I'm that excited for it. So I, I, I only think good things. I only think great things. I think this is one of the coolest announcements that we've gotten in hip-hop in, in quite some time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well said. Uh, Jay, your thoughts on a possible upcoming solo project from 3K? Um, I I, I I share in the same sentiment as Lawrence. I, I just think that if you know hip hop and you know music, um, you understand what what Outkast has meant to hip hop. Period. Um, and then if you think about if you think about people who have been rappers that have successfully made some type of crossover into mainstream, like, successfully, I think you really have to point to Andre 3K. If you think about that Hey Ya record, um, yeah. that, that's that's one of the bigger records in music, period, over the last 10 years. Like, like regardless of anything, that is one of the biggest, biggest records 
of of all time. And that Speaker Box, The Love Below album, sold something crazy in an era where albums aren't selling that crazy because everybody, because of, cause, you know, pirating and downloading and all of that stuff, but they still sold because that record was that big. Um, not that I'm looking forward necessarily to another Hey Ya record. I'm just trying to give an example of what type of impact Andre 3000 has when he puts out music. Um, mm. Honestly, this is, uh, I'm being very honest, I would rather hear a Andre 3K rapping, singing type of album than a Drake rapping type of singing album. I think he I think he sings, not that he's a necessarily better singer, because I don't think either one of them are terrific singers, but I, I like Andre 3K's sound when he's singing more than I like Drake's sound when he's singing. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just my opinion. Uh, it, I, I think back to songs like, like Prototype, which which is just... Yeah. It's, if you if you if you if you dig singing and you dig lyrics and and all that stuff, prototype, um, it is 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 a masterpiece. It, it really is. It's a master. It's a masterful song. Um, that that's that's the type of level of 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 just talent and and, and musical ability that that Andre Three Thousand brings to the table, um, and you can. And you can't overlook how, how extremely polished and, and seasoned of a rapper he is. So you know you can just with Andre 3000, he's one of those rappers where you can just say, yo, I I, I expect good music from him. Like not necessarily like I, I it's not he's not you can't just bubble him in a rapper uh, uh, kind of kind of context. You expect great, great, great music overall from him. So it's gonna be it's gonna be refreshing um, for me to, to 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 digest some Andre 3K stuff. Um, I think it's gonna be huge for music period to have a guy like that make another album. Um, and and it's just it's gonna be it's just gonna it's, it's gonna be a, a talent showcase. Um, and and I'm and I'm I share in Lawrence's. It, it, passion about it that like I'm I'm looking forward to a hundred three K album just as much as a Yeezus, a Magna Carta Holy Grail, a Pusher T, a Drake album, a whatever. Um I'm I'm looking forward to Andre three thousand albums. If not just at that at that same level if not more than a lot of these guys. So um huge. Huge. Huge for hip hop, huge for music. It's it's gonna be awesome. Definitely. You make some yeah, I really like how you make the points about uh, you know, going back through the the success and and the, the you know kind of the avenues that Andre 3K kind of opened up with his style. Um, I you know I I definitely agree with all fronts, Jay. But even as a vocalist, I I I prefer Andre 3K as a, as a vocalist over Drake because I, I I think he's a I think he's a pretty strong vocalist. I mean he he wouldn't come out and you know sing a ballad at the Grammys and just stand at a microphone and and do runs and all this stuff. But just you know. We all, I mean, I'm sure, you know, we all attest to his vocal ability. I've always been a big fan. You mentioned that prototype song, and that instantly brought, even, even Hey Ya, because, you know, just that upbeat nature, he's just riding the beat, just singing over it. I mean, that takes, that takes some pretty strong vocal presence to be able to pull that off, and he does it with such, uh, such, such, such mastery. He is, he is um, definitely one of the greater talents. Everything you guys said, um, is is definitely true, and if, if anyone really doesn't understand 
um, hopefully you do by the time this uh, this this assumed album will will drop next year. Uh, Tommy, any any last thoughts from you on Andre 3K? Uh, yeah, there's nothing really I can say that you guys haven't said. I think um, what I took from it was Jay, what you said is is, a, is very important. It's, his music is re- refreshing because he's he's cut from a different cloth. He's just he brings something so creative, so unique to the table that it, it just grabs you, whether it's whether it's bad or whether it's good or what how you perceive it. You know, like the the Hey I track Hey I track that you guys just reminded me about. About it's not. I mean, at first listen, I remember hating that track, but it's grown on me over the years that it's, I can actually tolerate it and think back and be like, okay, I remember seeing the video where he, it's him with uh, with the long crazy hair, he's singing the chorus, yeah, and he's rapping at the same time and playing the drums. He's just a very very creative artist, and it's refreshing for hip hop when uh, when his album's gonna drop. That was a good way to play it, Jay. Tommy, I, I I was gonna say that I hate to tell people that that I I really did it for whatever reason. Hey, y'all! At first listen, I was not feeling it. I thought it was weird. I didn't really. I just didn't really yeah. get it. After a while, when I really started banging with it, I considered myself a fool for not like <laughs> rocking with it at first. Like it it bothered me because once I rock with it, to this day, I, that comes on and I rock out like that. And that joint, that joint was crazy. Um, yeah, yeah. How, many, I mean, how many think about it? How many how many artists have made a song you could play around your mama? Like how many of them are like rappers? <laughs> like, like <laughs> how many rappers? How many yeah. how many like rappers? Like, come on! Like, Outkast was not a, a soft hip hop duo. Like, they were smooth because of Andre 3000, but they're by they're by no stretch of your imagination were they a a, a soft hip-hop duo, especially the early years, the, the Southern players, yeah. the Catholic days, like, they were, <laughs> yeah. with, they were coming with it, and and Andre, you know, the sorry Jackson hook, like, he always showed, I mean, even his outfits from, from all that stuff, he showed, <laughs> that he, he showed that he was a little different, we we knew he was different, um, yeah. but, but the talent was, the talent was always there, and once he really had the full control of his music, he took it in the direction that he wanted to, and and you got to respect that. And and you know I wasn't I, I'm with you. I wasn't a huge fan of the Hey I song until my mom started rocking with it. Like <laughs> my dad started rocking. <laughs> like I, and I was like, okay, all right. I mean, I, I I'm he's a rap because I was looking at him as a rapper, and they were just looking at him as an artist. And mm. and and that's where and that's where it can get jaded because we're looking at him as a rapper. Like yo, why aren't you rapping? And he's singing and he's carrying on, but he's killing it. So, so then, and then I, and literally, like I told my mom, like dancing to it when the video was on one day in the living room at my house, and she was doing her <laughs> clap and she was getting it, and I was like, oh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Right, right. That joke's like, like a perfect pop song, yeah. Yeah. What yes. makes pop think about, songs? And think about how many rappers have ever been able to do that. You can probably say that Andre 3000 is the only rapper to really be able to do that. He may be. Probably. Like, like, like none of us understand the magnitude of that song. That was a that was the that was the best record of that year. It was the number one song of that year, and it carried that album to to mass like to go on go on Wikipedia and look up the the top selling hip hop albums of the of of all time. 
You have you have a couple Jay Z ones in there. You have a couple Eminem albums. Speaker Box slash The Love Below is up there, mainly because that record was such a big pop record. No other, I really don't feel like no any other hip hop artist has crossed over and done a pop record that was that successful. Um, not that that's what we want, but he did it the right way and he did it in a cool way, so it worked. And and he's 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 a he's an artist, man. He's, he's so so like if you're expecting a rap album from him, you're 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 kind of you're you're fooling yourself because it's not going to be a full rap album. When he does rap, he raps his ass off. So like you can't really be that mad about it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Andre Andre's 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 one of the greats that gets under underrated, overlooked, whatever you want to say, a lot a lot in music and in hip hop. So it, this is huge. This is huge. Well said. Well said. Yeah. So we we definitely hope that that's that that's coming about. That that's in the works. I I read a couple of days ago. Um, CeeLo Green was sharing his thoughts on Andre 3000 um, in in just kind of a candid interview. I think it came from Double XL. Um, but he mentioned the fact that 3K has been away from from the spotlight in the music game for a while now, and he he uh, he brought up the fact that he has some severe stage fright. And and uh, and he and CeeLo himself, and I'm paraphrasing here. I had the article in front of me, but I'm not quoting. But I'm paraphrasing. He he said something along the lines of him doubting that he would be able to make the comeback back to music, um, given his his issues. You know, uh, whatever the case may be. I guess he has a, a, a severe issue with stage fright. So. Um, we hope that that's not something, and you know, obviously with his mom's passing, as Lawrence mentioned, uh, we look for Andre to make a an illustrious return uh, because, like you know, we can all agree and we've attested to, it would just be big for music, not just for hip hop, but um, for music. And uh, don't forget his biopic, his Jimi Hendrix biopic, drops this September. Um, all by my side, um, he'll play Jimi Hendrix. I'm definitely looking forward to that too because that. That's certainly an interesting pairing, Andre 3000, Jimi Hendrix. Uh, you might be able to even make some subtle comparisons there musically, but um, that that should be an interesting feature as well for Andre 3K. And uh, we're hoping for a, a healthy and prosperous comeback, 3K. So give us that solo album next year and just and just and just do it. Just shut it down. Um, we're gonna segue now to uh, our second commercial and uh, come back and finish up with our last segment and talk about a few of these hot and heavy TV shows, um, one of which comes back tomorrow, the epidemic of the weekend, which we'll discuss here in a few minutes with the collective. Thank you for staying with us on the collective. Our prior music segment, based on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com where we share and review music. This next segment is based on our TV and movie blog televisioncinema.blogspot.com Stay with us for our final segment. Enjoy the discussion. 213-943-3618 
Yeah, we're back with the collective. Um, getting back to wrap up with our final segment of the afternoon. Um, our TV and movie blog, televisioncinema.blogspot.com. You can check that out for uh, movie news, um, analysis, and reviews of um, your favorite and most popular television shows. Um, I want to talk about um, a show that started on Showtime. Um, anyone who, who knows me and has listened to the right segments of this show, because we we, uh, we we haven't gotten to this segment enough um, as we've done this show, um, but I, I, I have a, a particular affinity for um, really good television series, drama series. I, uh, I, I admire shows that can pull you in from the pilot episode. I think a pilot episode says everything about a show, and it really just says something about a good television series that grabs you into this uh, a world that you can escape to with characters that you can relate to and that you want to see succeed or fail. Um, the, the entire art behind writing, crafting, producing, directing television shows um, completely fascinates me. And I can say this year has been an interesting year for me in terms of my viewing experience. Um, I think the theme for me this year has been late to the party. Um, I've, and over the course of this year, I've caught up on some of the more popular television shows that have been going for five to eight years now. Um, I started at the top of this year by catching up on Dexter, going seasons one through seven. Obviously, Dexter is in its final eighth season right now, um, in the middle of its season. But uh, I caught up on Dexter. I caught up on um, The Newsroom, which I'll mention here in a minute. And Breaking Bad, obviously, the, the main event for this weekend, which we'll get to here in a second. Um, but I did start, I started, started a couple shows this summer, um, one of which on Showtime, uh, Ray Donovan. Um, and I want to say a word about that real quick. I know um, I convinced, finally, Lawrence to watch the pilot episode, so I've, I've kind of got him in on it now. Um, it's about six or seven episodes in now on Showtime. Um, it stars Lee Schreiber who um, is in his first lead on a television role. Um, you might recognize him from the Salt movie um, or from the Wolverine movie, which uh, it took me a while to actually start watching the show because I kept seeing Lee Schreiber as Sabretooth, Wolverine's brother, because I had seen that Origins Wolverine movie a little, one too many times. But um, I'm into Ray Donovan. I've been watching it. Um, I will say, and it's not a knock on the show, I think it was a bit overhyped to start out. It was really promoted well, and, and I think they're trying to pick it up and run with it since Dexter is going off since it's in its, in its final season. But um, they really put a lot into the promo, and, and it's casted very well. Again, Lee Shriver plays Ray Donovan. Um, John Boyd plays his father, Mickey Donovan. Um, and all around, just a really good cast all around. It's kind of got, from what I watched, it's it kind of got a scandal meets four brothers complex. Uh, Ray Donovan is your typical fixer, except he... Uh, he goes about it in a different method than, say, in, in, in Olivia Pope. Um, then it's a very interesting show. It, 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 again, I think it was a little overhyped. I am enjoying it. Um, it did enjoy Showtime's highest-rated premiere for any show ever, and it was renewed for a second season after three episodes. So it gives you a sense of the kind of reception it's getting. And, again, I am enjoying it. However, there's something about it that I don't enjoy as much, and that's that they leave out information from the story. And I'm somebody who likes to watch something from the beginning and likes to take in 
you know, really key pieces of information and go forward because obviously you don't learn everything first. There are twists and little things that you learn going forward, but they, there's just huge, huge gaps in the plot that they have yet to even explain um, regarding Ray's father. Again, Ray Donovan plays a fixer who kind of just does things for athletes, celebrities, uh, wherever the case may be, is kind of like an undercover fixer, you know, whether it's getting you out of a, 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 a you know, some kind of dire circumstance, you know, the kind of thing celebrities get into with money and gambling and, and blackmailing and that stuff. So he goes about it, and uh, it's really kind of like a gangster type of show. It's got that mob feel to it. Um, but, again, it, it's, it's very good, and I have been enjoying it. It's being received very well. Um, but, it, you know, there's, there's gaps in the plot and there's gaps in the storyline, which they have yet to reveal, and it doesn't look like they will re- reveal until the end. So it's kind of this, this waiting period where you're kind of waiting to learn about the, the really key pieces of the story that you really want to know. Um, and, again, I'm just somebody who enjoys learning that stuff first and then going forward. So it's very mobbish type of show, um, Really enjoying it, though. It's a really cool show for Showtime. Um, Lee Schreiber as Ray Donovan. Um, also, Orange is the New Black, which is a Netflix series, um, which has just started this summer. It's really getting popular. It's becoming um, widely known. People are really onto it, and I know Lawrence has been on it. I actually got through the first half of the pilot episode last night, and needless to say, I am extremely intrigued, and I guess all I can really say right now in terms of my opinion on it, um, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the fact that this woman, and again, the show itself, a uh, com- comedy drama series created by a woman named Genji Cohen, and it's based on the actual memoirs by a woman named Piper Kerman about her experiences in prison. And the character in the show is named Piper Chapman. And um, again, I only got halfway through the pilot episode, but I was really interested by kind of just the demeanor. She was getting ready to go into jail and she was really making light of it, and her and her husband are kind of making jokes about it, and her friends are making jokes about it, and she seems like a very interesting character. So, Lawrence, you want to say something real quick about Orange is the New Black? Yeah, and I mean, it, it's honestly one of my favorite shows I've, I've seen in the, in the last year, or certainly this year. Um, it, like Martin said, it's a Netflix original show, so they do this thing now where they release the entire season at once. So everything is out on Netflix, and you can kind of just watch it at your leisure and plow through the season as fast as you want. But, I mean, it's it's a really good show. I was really into Genji Cohen's first show that got her on the map. Weeds, uh, one of my favorite TV shows. I watched that from season one all the way up until, you know, season, I, I feel like it ended at eight. And um, it was just really, really good, and I, I liked the storyline. And, and, you know, the way it was shot is really cool. There's always... There's always a good bit of uh, comedic relief in, in what seems to be, like, very serious situations. So it's it's very cool. It, it, it's from a very, like, I guess, humanist standpoint where it's, it's, it's really all about, like, the emotions of the characters. And she does a good job of, like, humanizing every character and getting you to, you know, invest emotion into them. Um, like Martin said, the story is based around this woman named Piper Chapman who is actually engaged to be married to um, her husband or her fiancé, whose name is Larry, who's actually played by Jason Biggs from American uh, from the American Pie series, which I thought was really funny. But, um, yeah, so, so she's engaged to be married, and she tells him 
that she did some illegal things um, years and years before they had met, and that those things they caught up to her, um, and she was going to have to go to prison for them for a fifteenth month, a fifteen month sentence. And it's all about her and the other prisoners that are inside with her, and kind of, you know, them being able to work through everything. And I think it. I think it's also a good social commentary because it, it, it touches on, you know, the, the actual subjects of prison, like what these people go through and, I mean, how I guess we look at them as criminals and, and one way or another they did do something that they shouldn't have done to get themselves in there. But it really, like, makes them personal and, and you kind of, you know, find ways to relate to the different prisoners and there's crazy ones and there's, like super religious ones, and and then there's like a a boss of the prison that like is one of the prisoners, and then it's also the aspect of like the uh, the privately owned prisons and and the budgets that they have to go through, and how you know the person that the higher up at the prison always talks about how there's budget cuts and how they're not allowed certain amenities, but at the same time she's driving a Mercedes Benz and is is living very lavishly. So I think that part is pretty funny and. It's really just a captivating story. It's it's a really cool one. It's very cool that it's it's based on true events and and this woman Piper Kerman uh, actually wrote the show and and pitched it to Jinji Cohen as like Martin said her memoir like what she went through actually in prison. So it, it it's really cool, man. I think I mean from the sound of it originally I wasn't necessarily completely sold on it. But after watching a few episodes of it, you start to get it, and, and it, it'll really, you know, like, get you in. So it, it's definitely a cool show. It's one that I, I highly recommend. I, I finished the first season in about, I guess, a week and a half to two weeks. I just kind of watched it whenever I got a chance to. But it was one that I, I was anxious to get back to every single every at the end of every single episode. It's only 13 episodes. They're, like, 50-minute episodes, so it, it doesn't take that long to realistically get through the whole story, but it, it's a very good one, so it's it's one that I definitely recommend. Well said. Yeah, it definitely convinced me to start it. Uh, I'm halfway through the pilot episode, like I said, but I, I, I couldn't be more fascinated just, just from the sense of how they showed her character from the beginning and her circumstance, so... Um, definitely something to be watching right now. Um, going into the newsroom, another show which I was uh, late to and Lawrence put me on to, um, luckily not not as much to catch up on there, but um, I just finished up on the first season of Newsroom last week, and I am a couple episodes into the season which is going on right now, the second season. Um, Lawrence, I, 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 I was texting you as I was going through the first season. I was hooked from the pilot. Um, this show, and it just dawned on me the other day, it, to me, it has kind of an office complex. You mm-hmm. know, the office, you know, it kind of has that kind of comedic aspect because it is it is a comedy, comedical, political drama, I guess you could kind of categorize yeah. it as. But, um, yeah. you know, Jeff Daniels as Will McAvoy, he is just the star. He is the man. It, I mean, everything all- about this show it runs through him you know and uh and it, you know it's not just him Even all the members of the newsroom they, they make it so and that's what made me think of the office not just the comedic aspect but the aspect that you have a community of people within you know this newsroom that the, the fictional aacn network um and and you, you know you just pull for these people you know they're doing their daily jobs they're on top of these critical and social events, which they actually play on real real events that happen in real life. And, um, you know, obviously they form them into the format of their show. But 
um, it, it really shows, you know, the hustle and bustle of that newsroom atmosphere. And um, oh, yeah. it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's written extremely well. Because the writer, Aaron Sorkin, um, obviously he was responsible for the West Wing. He wrote that show as well. So you could tell he just has that feel for, you know, just kind of like that realistic type of type of vibe uh, with the newsroom. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the aspect of, you know, seeing the behind the scenes of the media, you know, like uh, seeing yeah. what really goes into presenting the news and, and all of the politics involved. I think that that's the really interesting point of it, how, I mean, it's, it's a major news network, so it's something like a, a CNN to where they only do news and and that's kind of what their lives end up revolving around, these people that work in this newsroom and there's there's like love backstories and stuff like that, which which keep it interesting and and you know makes it so it doesn't get too humdrum with just reporting the news. But at the same time, that that's the meat of it. That's the good part about it. Like Martin said, it's all actual events. Apart from uh, the the big news story that they're doing in this season, it I don't believe was an actual event, but it is something that's interesting nonetheless. Like it's something that they can pull off, you know, and pursue as a news story and kind of, I mean, I mean, it also, like I said, it, it like um, Orange is the New Black, it's somewhat of a running social commentary on like where we are today and like how people view different things and how people take in, pe- how people take in information and, you know, how they receive it and, and what they do with it and like how you have to present it in, in a sensitive but informative uh, matter, and I, I think that the show itself is very informative. I think it's highly educational. It, it provides a very refreshing aspect on, you know, what, what it takes to present the news and how how influenced, like, by government some of these news, um, the, these media outlets are, and, and how, like, the yeah. goal of this particular news show was to not be influenced by any outside sources, especially that of government, by how it's, like, you know, we need to present the news the way the people are supposed to be getting the news, and I think that that's really cool. So I, I love Newsroom. Newsroom was certainly my favorite show of last year, and, and the second season is proving to be very good. Yeah, yeah, HBO's Newsroom, definitely check that out. And tomorrow, obviously, the bombshell. Uh, we've got 60 seconds here. Jay, Breaking Bad is back tomorrow. The final, the final portion of the last season for Breaking Bad, another show I've been late to the party to. I am just about caught up. I watched the pilot episode of season five the other day, and I plan on being caught up and good to go for tomorrow night. Jay, real quick, tell me, tell me what to expect. What's, what's, what's going down? No, we don't. I, I honestly couldn't even tell you what to expect because <laughs> that's how that you know Breaking Bad is the best, in my opinion, the best TV series um, of the last ten years. I, I would say since I've been watching TV. Um, actually getting in the TV series, um, I think Breaking Bad is the best. It's the most well-written. It has the most turns. Um, Homeland has the potential to catch Breaking Bad. You know, Homeland is only in its second season. Um, but Homeland, uh, Breaking Bad is just its everything. Walter White is, is a beast. It's about a, a high school professor, if you don't know about it, um, who who's come going through some financial struggles. He actually has cancer. He he survives cancer. Um, he beats cancer, and he starts <laughs> cooking meth and, and making money. In a, in a, in a, uh, <laughs> and, and he teams up with one of his high school students who basically 
um, has the clientele to move the product, and the two of them cook up. I, get, I, I don't know much about meth, but they, but they cook up <laughs> the best meth in town, and, and they start making a lot of money because of it. Um, his brother-in-law works for the FBI, so that there's that dynamic because he, he's hiding it from his, his family for a while. He finally tells his wife. Um, so he's, like, going through this guy's life is just, just he, it turns upside down and he breaks bad. That's the whole point of it. He turns from a high school teacher to a drug lord. Um, and it is just, it's super fascinating. The characters are great. It's well written. It's well put together. It's, it's, it, it never gets boring. It never gets dull. It never, there's no such thing as a dry period in this show. Um, the character development has always been terrific. Um, problem, and, and, and this is my, my very, very humble opinion, the best show that's come out in the last 10 years as far as the television series and the best writing I've, I've ever seen. Um, just if it, watch, it, I, I, watch the new season if you haven't seen any of it and then go back and kind of catch up. I think if you watch the first season, uh, the new, the first episode tomorrow, you're going to want to catch up. It's going to make you catch up. Um, but it's just it's, it's tremendous, and 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 I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what what the gangster Walter White has has up his sleeve this season. Because every season he just it seems that he turns more into a thug, and I love that shit. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. So Walter White and Company back tomorrow. Uh, Breaking Bad is ranked number thirteen on the 101 best written TV series of all time by Writers Guild of America this year. Um, seven primetime Emmy Awards. It's got the awards. It's got racks. It's got the storyline. It's got the turn up. Um, definitely one of the better uh, drama series I've ever watched. So that'll be back tomorrow. And Jay, we'll have plenty to talk about next week uh, with the yes, second sir. half of this last season coming up. Uh, this final season, I, I anticipate some some <laughs> some interesting things going down. And I still I still have some catching up to do myself for tomorrow night. So I I've got that to catch up on. But we'll. We'll have plenty to discuss next week. Um, so uh, we're wrapping up for the day for The Collective. Thank you for joining us for another episode. Uh, check out our show blog, thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com, where you, where you can see uh, stuff we talk about and songs from our What We Hear segment. Um, thank right. you for another afternoon with us. You can catch us next week, same time, same ratchet. You know what I'm saying? We out here. Hashtag butt fumble. <laughs>